0: In the, In the beginning was the word, word, the word, and the Word was with, was with God, God, and the Word was God's God. Welcome to the Stop Restless and Podcast. Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Stop Restless and Podcast. Thank you for joining us again. My name is Joel and we're going to be looking at the theme, Bring Down Heaven Today. And if you haven't already done so, uh, please check out the first podcast, which is called The Word. And it features a friend of mine called John Headley. And we set up what the whole project is about. This episode, we're gonna be chatting to Mark Stevens, who is a singer, songwriter, worship leader, and speaker and he's uh, kindly given us some of his time to talk about his story, um, his rise to fame as a child, and how he found salvation and what he's doing currently with his music and his ministry. So stick around for the interview at the end. And also, He's very kindly let us hear two songs off his album that's not even been released yet. So we're going to be listening to those tracks a bit later on. So stick around and all that stuff is coming up. But first, we're going to start with some scriptures. And today we're going to be looking at verses based around the theme, Bring Down Heaven. Colossians 3 verses 1 to 4 and 16 to 17 Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Let the message about Christ, in all its richness, fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Isaiah 61, verses 1-3 and 10-11 The Spirit of God the Master is on me, because God anointed me. He sent me to preach good news to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, announce freedom to all captives, pardon all prisoners. God sent me to announce the year of His grace, A celebration of God's destruction of our enemies. And to comfort all who mourn. To care for the needs of all who mourn in Zion. Give them bouquets of roses instead of ashes, messages of joy instead of news of doom. A praising heart instead of a languid spirit. I will sing for joy in God, explode in praise from deep in my soul. He dressed me up in a suit of salvation. He outfitted me in a robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom who puts on a tuxedo, and a bride a jeweled tiara. For as the earth bursts with spring wildflowers, and as a garden cascades with blossoms, so the master God brings righteousness into full bloom, and puts praise on display before the nations. One Corinthians four verse twenty. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Romans fourteen verse seventeen. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans ten verses 8 to 9 and 14 to 17. The message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news, for Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So. Faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. Matthew 5 verses 14 to 16 You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Ephesians 3 verses 20 to 21. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Okay so we've just heard a passage from Isaiah 61 which is not only a proclamation at the time it was written but also a prophecy of the coming saviour Jesus Christ. We see Jesus read this same passage in Luke chapter 4. I'll read from verse 17. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it he found the place where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is on me This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus was not just reading this passage in the synagogue as a thought for the day. He was telling people who he was and what he was on the earth to do. He was confirming that this prophecy in Isaiah was fulfilled in him. Jesus was here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This passage in my Bible is subtitled, Jesus rejected at Nazareth and the reason jesus was rejected in nazareth is because the people were far too familiar with him they knew him as joseph's boy the carpenter or the son of mary to everyone in his hometown jesus was just a regular guy they couldn't comprehend that the boy they'd seen grow up before their eyes was actually in fact the son of god but this didn't phase jesus he was prepared for his calling and his mission and wasn't dependent on public opinion to validate him Prior to this reading in the synagogue, Luke tells us that Jesus was fasting for 40 days in the wilderness. In his hunger and fragile state, the devil comes to tempt Jesus with provision, power and protection. What's interesting is that the devil wasn't just trying to get Jesus to slip up. I believe that he was after his identity. Twice he says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, And each time Jesus replies, it is written and demolishes each argument using the word of God. I believe that Jesus used these 40 days in the wilderness to prepare for his very short three year ministry on earth that followed. The Bible doesn't really give us any specific details, but I imagine that Jesus used this solitary time to study the word, pray and seek God's will for his life here on earth. Jesus went into the desert, a young man from Nazareth, but he came out the son of God on a mission to preach good news. It's not surprising that Jesus read this particular passage at the start of his ministry. He didn't just come to preach good news. He was the good news. Jesus knew his identity from his relationship with his father in heaven and from the word. Here's my challenge for me and anyone else who wants to join me. I'm going to read this passage and listen to this passage from isaiah 61 every day for the next couple weeks and read it with myself in mind i'm going to read and listen to this passage from isaiah 61 every day for the next couple of weeks and ask god what does this mean for me who are the poor in my world that i need to tell the good news to who are the prisoners the blind and the oppressed that i can proclaim god's favor to it might be a friend a family member or even the neighbor next door All I know is that God has already anointed you and me for his service and I want to be prepared for whatever God has in store. So why don't you take some time and ask God how you can bring down the kingdom of heaven to earth in your day to day life. Remember you can go to our website for the PDF document of the scriptures that have been featured in today's podcast and download them to your phone, tablet or computer. Before we get into the interview with Mark and hear some of his new songs, let's have a listen to a preview of the next podcast that's coming up in a couple of weeks. I speak with John Edwards who is the founder of Walking Free Ministries based in the UK and Ireland. He was an alcoholic, drug addict and homeless for over 25 years and not only got free but has since then helped hundreds if not thousands of people find freedom in all walks of life. Let's have a listen to the clip from the interview.
1: I had such a desire to preach the gospel to people everywhere, mm. but it was I struggled with the means to actually do it. So I looked at what assets I had, mm. and I realised I've got two strong legs, and um, I was always a good mm. runner and a mm. and good walker. And I decided that I would uh, that I'd walk. Yeah. So I actually got up and I walked from Belfast to Dublin. I went into I remember going into Protestant pubs where mm. the paramilitaries were and bringing my bucket in and saying to people, "Listen, before you go for your guns, when you hear mm. my accent." put your hands in your pockets and put some Mm. money into these buckets. I said, because we're collecting money to help people who are addicted to drugs. Mm. I said, we are walking free ministries. I come from quite a successful business family, actually. Mm. And my father was one of the 20 highest salary-paid men in the Republic of Ireland. Wow. He was the financial director of the biggest motor company in Ireland. Mm. And I had a terrible stammer. I was left-handed and um, I was forced to write at my right hand in school. Mm. My father used to make me hold a black rubber ball in my left hand, mm. to me, so I'd write at my right hand. In Ireland it was kind of superstitious if you're yeah. left handed. So I was forced to write with my right hand and I developed a really bad stutter. Some yeah. people say I got it from that. But um, as life went on, when puberty came, I was really struggling in life, very, very mm. shy, um, really uh, compared myself to other people and therefore mm. put myself down big time. Mm. I'd begin to fancy girls, and because of my stammer, I couldn't even talk properly. Mm. And unfortunately, you know, my mother used to take Valium. You know, a lot of Irish people, probably British people as well, used to take Valium. They, they used to call them Mother's Little Helper. That's what doctors used to prescribe. And my mom was taking them. So one day, I stole one from her handbag, mm. not knowing that, um, beginning by taking that one pill, it mm. gave me some peace, John. Yeah. I was able to speak it a little bit better. I felt a bit mm. more confident. Mm. And I just had a bit of peace. I had so much pain and turmoil mm. on the inside that this volume took it away. Mm. And I thought, thank God I found something to give me a bit of peace. Mm. And I thought I'd found the answer to my problems. But I didn't realise that 20 years later I'd be taking up to 150 of these pills a day. Wow. And uh, i began to drink again, not knowing that 20 years later I'd be living on the streets of London mm. as a beggar and a tramp, injecting heroin and barbiturates and even cheap old alcohol mm. straight into my veins. Overdosed nearly 20 times and so most of my friends dying over a period of uh, 25 years. Mm. Um, out of a gang of 30 of us there's less than 10 of us alive. Wow. So, And back then to try and get help there was nowhere to go except they used to put you in the mental institutions. Mm. There was no needle exchanges, there was no drug clinics, mm. there was no specialised unit to deal with drug addicts. Back in Ireland then or even in Britain there wasn't either. So you used to be signed into the local mental home. So I've been in there at least ten times. Wow, been in padded cells and straitjackets and uh, you can only imagine what how devastating that is mm. to your to your self esteem. Mm. To actually realise that you you know, you've been lumped together with people who are um deemed to be crazy. Mm. If I'm going through a hard time, I find a scripture, and I mm. stand on the I stand on the Word of God. Mm. So recently, when I was sick, I, I stood in a scripture.
2: Mm.
1: And uh, it, it's God who has got me through every situation I've ever been in. When I needed a miracle financially for a ministry or whatever, mm. I stood on the Word of God. Mm. And I can tell you, a miracle, absolute miracles that have happened as I stood in the Word of God. So my trust really is in the Word. Mm. My trust is not in the world. Mm.
0: So before we get into the interview, I thought it'd be great to start with a clip from Mark's new album. The new album is called Bring Bring Down Heaven. Heaven. Yep. And this track is called What A Love. And what's the song about? Basically,
3: someone uh, saying how amazed they are about this love that they've stepped into and almost feeling undeserving of that, but then unpacking their, their thankfulness and their gratefulness for that. So uh, the words are incredible. I, I, uh, have a listen to them.
2: So much about me, just one simple man that he came and redeemed me from my sin and shame. And you've made me an heir to this kingdom you reign. And now all that I lack are the words to describe this love that has kept me through all of my
0: Mark Stevens. Yes. A good friend of mine. Yeah, we've known each other for, my Lord. A long time. At least 10 years. Makes me feel old. I was was just a nipper when I first met you. I look younger. (laughs) (laughs) It's the glory of the Lord. It is. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, how did we meet? So you moved to Life Church in Bradford. When did you move to to the church? November of 2000. I moved across the
3: waters. It was a long swim. Yeah, uh, from Australia. I, I was a part of Hillsong at church in Sydney for about three and a half years, and that's, that's wh- where I met my future wife-to-be, and her dad is a great preacher by the name of Paul Scanlon. So yeah, so I moved across in November of 2000. The rest is history.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I joined the church in 2006, <laughs> pretty much got plugged straight into the worship team in the church, and that's really how I got kind of connected with Mark, mm-hmm. and you were... <clears throat> Uh, you, you were leading the worship team, you were yeah, um, a worship pastor
3: there. Co-leading with, uh, with Lara Martin at the time, worship pastoring, and, and I was the creative director uh, at the time uh, as well. So yeah, you were like... And a key uh, songwriter as well. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But, but I remember when you came too, we were like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a great gu- guitar player and uh, an awesome guy to be a part of the team, so... Um long time ago now. It was, yeah.
0: Why don't you tell us a little bit about before that time, before you you joined Hillsongs, before you joined Life Church in Bradford. Let's go back to the beginning. Um, You were a child star, Yeah. which is not something everyone can say. (laughs) (laughs) What was that like? Tell us how you got into the spotlight so early and kind of how how that progressed.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I I was a Tasmanian lad, um, born and bred in Tasmania, Hobart, Tasmania, Born to uh, non-Christian parents, so we, church was not a familiar thing to me. Um, but music was always a part of our home, and I loved to sing. Uh, I loved to perform. <laughs> um, that took me into getting piano lessons, and and uh, my piano lessons turned into writing songs. And uh, I entered uh, my song into a talent quest in a local talent quest in Tasmania. I won the talent quest and auditioned for a major kids show. I was flown from Hobart to Melbourne with my mum, auditioned for a kids show called Young Talent Time, which was like Australia's version of the Mickey Mouse Club, um, America's show. Uh, so I auditioned for Young Talent Time and and um, uh, got to work on that show for three and a half years, meeting my family moved from Hobart to to Melbourne to set up camp there for about seven years. Mm. <clears throat> so I worked on that kid's show and we, we would, every Saturday night, we'd, we'd perform the hits of the day, me and 10 other kids and a host of the show. Um, after young talent time, I, I moved into working on Neighbours, uh, which is um, obviously a soap opera that you might be familiar with, uh, particularly if you're from you know Australia or, or the UK and pockets of Europe. It was televised to, to 20 million v- viewers uh, five nights a week. So I worked on Neighbours, and that brought me into the UK to do theatre, to record music, to sign a record deal and, <clears throat> and, uh, and do a lot of touring. But on the, on the flip side of, you know, the, the life of fame that I was experiencing or, or the entertainment business life was a young man who was incredibly lost and <clears throat> was searching for some kind of meaning meaning to life. You know, when you have a lot mm. of money, Joel, mm. and you're you know, you've experienced experiencing a high level of fame and you know, you're you're a recognized face and you quickly begin to realize that that fame and and money and even relationships don't fill the void that you're trying to that you're trying to fill with stuff, you know? Yeah. So I, I, by the time I was early twenties, mid twenties, I was asking a lot of questions of What am I here for? What's this all about? Um, there must be more to life than this. If I've you know just got to get married, have a couple of kids, and mm. as beautiful as that is, I, there, there seems to be more to to my destiny, or this there seems to be a greater purpose. You know, <clears throat> who put this world together? Who flung the stars into the sky? Who put the sun up in there? And there has to be some kind of creator and. All of those questions were, were bubbling underneath, but by then I was experiencing um, a life of drug addiction and alcoholism, mm. and I was, yeah, I was living the party life, and I was becoming incredibly messed up. Wow.
0: Yeah. So uh, what uh, age did you, uh, did you do the Talent Quest?
3: Uh, the Talent Quest, I was 13 when, wow. I, when I auditioned okay. for that. Uh, which kind of catapulted me into to working on national television every week with Young Talent Time. Did <coughs> That so, conflict with school and yeah, study. Yeah, it did. It did, and um, I didn't like school purely for the reason that, that you know the young guys at school mm. would obviously would would take the rip out of you. Yeah, of course. For so being on <laughs> television, mean, I would have done the same yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're dre- dressed in pink trousers and a yellow top, and you, you you're dancing and. Can anyone find material (laughs) from this era? They, They can, yeah. Type in young talent time and my name and all kinds of weird stuff will come up
0: (laughs) but God has forgiven me (laughs) but the internet hasn't no exactly (laughs) I'm trying to I'm trying to sort that out (laughs) and so at what time what what age were you when you joined Neighbours I was 17 when I joined joined Neighbours so and that was around the time when was Kylie Kylie, Kylie was just leaving the show uh, and Jason, Jason. I worked with Jason for a year.
3: I worked with Guy Pierce mm. for two years. Obviously, worked with Craig McLaughlin who did Henry, and you know Ian Smith who did Harold. And Madge was you know Anne Charleston played Madge, and you Mark mm. uh, Mark Little played um, uh, Joe Mangold, and Bouncer the yeah, dog. was I remember there. all those characters. We were all best friends, particularly me and Bouncer.
0: Mm. I love neighbours. Okay. I, I I used to watch it every <laughs> joke, weeknight. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's what an incredible story. So, in your childhood, was there any glimpse of God? Did you did you have an understanding that there was a God, but you didn't know who he was? Was there any kind of Christian influence in your life at that time? My my grandmother on my mum's side was a, a regular
3: churchgoer, but it was a very religious setting, and I I didn't enjoy going. They tried to drag me along to Sunday school along with my brother, but. I just didn't seem to fit into that whole uh, environment mm. very well. But but I think the only thing that I would say in terms of a glimmer of of something spiritual in my life was I always knew that there was someone around me. Mm. Uh, I didn't know whether that was good or a bad thing. Mm. I, I was quite fearful of that, so I was very f- afraid of being in a room by myself, particularly in in the dark or, or at night, because I just I had this uh, this understanding that there was a figure next to me or someone mm. there so that was the only thing i i i could kind of look back on i, I mean <laughs> my friends and i we used to play with the, the ouija board right and um and you know experience spiritual things you know with the mm. glass moves and all that, that kind of stuff mm. so my friends parents were into all of that so we used to we used to get involved in that a little bit when I in my early teens. Mm. But uh, you know the kind of thing that yeah. that kids do. You know, yeah.
0: <laughs> not especially <laughs> <laughs> in Tasmania. You yeah. know, dark <laughs> dark practices. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of a like late teens. Uh, like you say, you moved over to London. You, you got a record deal. Yes. How, did you feel like you'd kind of made it? Did you feel like this this was the absolute bullseye of your of your life? You were kind of living the dream. This was. You had you had everything you wanted. I think I I, I wanted to become even more famous back then. Um,
3: I knew that I was on a journey towards that, but I, I didn't really have um, a hold of my own life. I was I was almost in the hands of other people to create that for me mm. uh, because I, I, at that stage I wasn't really writing my own songs. I was on the fringes of of writing. So I was, I had other people presenting me with ideas and creativity and I was almost like a bit of a puppet on on a string, Mm. which I began to hate Mm. um, in my late teens, early 20s because I I started to awaken to the fact that there might be so much more on Mm. the inside of me and I didn't just want to be like every other puppet on a a string that I'd seen around that time, whose career was very fleeting. So, but at that stage, Joel, the the party scene, Mm. my my drug taking and my drinking mm. and and the en- the enjoyment of, mm. of that lifestyle for me at that time of being 12,000 miles away from home estranged from my parents in mm. many ways because they had their own issues and, and, and like most families do. I wanted to be away from stuff. So th- the whole drug taking, party going lifestyle started to take a front seat mm. and the career took a back seat. So things began to shift in my life right. when I was about nineteen,
0: twenty. Okay. Yeah. From speaking to John Edwards, <clears throat> he mentions a time where he hit absolute rock bottom mm. and that was the time when things for him started to turn around and I think he you know well he says that that it was only when he felt like he hit rock bottom that he wanted to change. There was that desire to start sorting himself out. Yeah. Was there was there a time in that period where you felt like you hit rock bottom and things start to change? Rock Bottom
3: took, uh, if I could map it out from about the age of 18, where, you know, drugs started to take a front seat, really, in my life and, and the party life. It, it didn't... I was 26 by the time I became a Christian, so there was there was eight years there of mm. absolutely hammering it and, and mm. going for it, you know. Um, so Rock Bottom happened... By the by, the time I was twenty six, but uh, it was a slow progression of me losing my career, uh, losing my influence mm. bit bit by bit, in terms of you know the party life taking the front seat, like I said, and and uh, things stepping away from my life or people mm. stepping away from my life because I wasn't taking my career as seriously as I should have been, mm. and the drug taking was was taking over my life, so. Uh, I ended up actually back in Australia, actually back in Tasmania, Uh, I ended up right back there working in cover bands, you know, singing Mm. in in dark, dingy little pubs in front of Mm. about 10, 20 people. I don't know what that feels like.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You know, but when
3: you've experienced 10 or 20,000 people, seven nights a week Mm. in one city, then you move on to another city as a kid on a national television show, like an X Factor kind of thing. And then, and then you're, you know, you're putting cocaine up, you know, it's, mm. or if you can't afford that, you're putting speed up, you know. It's not that you know anything about <laughs> that, but and you're drinking alcohol and you're falling off the stage and you're, you know, you're getting kicked out of establishments for abusing mm. the manager and, sure. um, not invited back mm. and, and you're sad. You're just so mm. sad because you had it but you lost it. Mm. And uh, my my family life wasn't wasn't helping at all as well because there, there were no real kind of stable boundaries there for me. Uh, or, or no moral boundaries, really, yeah. from particularly from my, my dad. And and um, so that wasn't helping either. So by the time I was 25, my brother said to me, hey, because he'd come out of a marriage breakup, and he said, look, mate, I want to get the, the heck out of here, mm. out of Tasmania. I'm going to sell my car, and you and me are going to get a plane ticket with that money mm. back to the UK, and mm. we're going to try to make it again. So we flew out of Tasmania into London. We stayed with a friend of mine back in London who used to work for BMG RCA Records and used to work for me when I was in the industry. We stayed with her and I tried to get my career back together with my brother and it was starting to work. But again, the the drug taking went to a new level and I started taking heroin. Mm. I met this guy and he invited me back to his apartment and he he, uh, did heroin in front of me and then offered me some. Mm. And I... I took it and then my my life stooped to an old all-time low of of selling stolen CDs to cash converters to mm. support a drug habit. Mm. And I was sleeping around with with anyone and anything mm. <laughs> at that time to mm. because a drug addict is just desperate for drugs. Yeah. When you become addicted you don't care who you who you're with you just want the next you know the, the next penny from the slot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's the, I was kind of going after that life at the time, uh, completely messed up. My brother moved back to Australia and said, "Mate, I can't watch you destroy yourself." Mm. I was drinking cough mixture if I couldn't afford drugs. Mm. Uh, two bottles of cough mixture would put me to sleep uh, in the night, and for about nine, maybe eight, nine months, I was in like a just a drug fueled haze of heroin, alcohol, smoking dope every day cough mixture and um and selling stolen cds and then and then things started to change the awakening
0: started to happen in my life was there a point where you tried or was there a few points where you tried to get free on your own you tried to kick the habit you tried to sort yourself out in that period or or were you so caught up in it and enjoying it that you didn't want to get free from it no in the end i was really sick but I would go on binges.
3: So I would have three weeks on, mm. and then my body would, would convulse and shake and rattle. They call it the mm. rattles, from having too too much, being awake too long, mm. and having too many drugs in your system. And I would vomit for about three days. And then on the fourth day, I'd be feeling a little bit better. My, my body was recovering, and then, boom, I'd be mm. back on it. Right. As soon as I felt better, I'd be back on the drugs. Mm. And then I'd be away. Again for another two three weeks on it and then off it for a couple of days. In the end, my body was so destroyed with drugs. Um, I had rashes, dermatitis all over my body. I was becoming bloated in my you know, my face. It was uh, I was you know I had kind of red. My blood pressure was was awful. Um, my speech was constantly slurred. Mm. I couldn't put two sentences together without losing track of you know if you look at some footage of Jim Morrison from the mm-hmm. doors, I was kind of heading that he was a hero of mine back then right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was kind of heading in that direction yeah. of being mentally unstable, mm. yeah sure
0: <laughs> so how how did things turn around then? I met a
3: backslidden Christian girl um. Backslidden, if you're not familiar with that term, backslidden just simply means she was away from God or not following. She'd made a commitment to God, but she wasn't following God in the way that she should. So I met this girl. She was an Aussie girl. We met in this this club in West Hampstead, London, a little drug haven. God knows what she was doing there. But I'm downstairs, you know, strutting my stuff on the dance floor, (laughs) completely out of it. I must have looked like a complete idiot. I'm down there and then she's standing at the bar looking at me and I, th- and I look over and I think, my, that girl's really pretty. And <clears throat> I walked towards her uh, and then she walked towards me. She introduced herself. She said, hi, my name's such and such. Um, I used to watch you on television, she said, as a little boy uh, on Young Talent Time. What mm. on earth are you doing here? Mm. And I said, what on earth am I doing here? What, what are you doing here? Mm. More, More like it. She said, well, I'm in, in London. I just live up the road and I wanted to come out with my friends for a drink. I'm, I'm working for Michael Barrymore, who was really f- famous at the time. And she was his PA and looked after his, his stuff. So um, anyway, we started to date. And we, we remained friends. And, and like every other girl at the time, I, I messed her around and we broke up maybe three months into our relationship. And when we broke up, um, she went back to church, mm. that church being Hillsong Church in London, right. and she started to pray for me mm. with some friends. Not only did she pray mm. for me, but she stayed a friend in my life. After we'd broken up, Brilliant. she would she would uh, visit me maybe every three or f- four days at the pub that I would mm. frequent every day, and she would invite me to parties, and she'd mm. say, man, y- you should come and meet some of my you know, my mm. friends from church. You know, mm. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. Mm. And then she would say, oh, well, you should come and meet some of my industry friends. Mm. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. Mm. But because she was praying, really weird stuff started to happen in my life. Like um, I started to get this empathy and compassion for people. When you're a drug addict, Joel, you, you just you just think about yourself. Mm. That's, that's it. You just want more money to fuel the drug life. Mm. Well, I started to look at people and really see them for who they were. And I would ask them questions about their life. One lady I remember in particular, she was an alcoholic. She drank at the pub that I drank at. And I would sit next to her every afternoon and just ask her questions about her life uh, before she got too hammered. <laughs> <laughs> and one, one day she took me to the, um, the, gra- the graveyard to stand by her recently dead husband's grave as she just wept over his grave and I saw, you know, the date on the on the grave, you know, when he was born to when he died and that dash in the middle and I started to think about my own eternity. I then got a, a, a phone call out of the blue. Remember this girl's praying for me. Mm. I, just, I get a phone call out of the blue and, and it's my mum on the phone saying, Mark, would you would you go to church? I'm really worried about you. It was Easter time. Mm. She said, I'm really, really worried about your son. I said, Mum, I'm fine. I said, Yeah I'll go to church just mm. to get her off the phone. And that thing just wouldn't leave me. I mm. had to go to church. Yeah. So I, went to the, I said to my friend who I lived with, you need to take me up to the church. And she, she thought I'd lost my mind. <laughs> Never asked her that before. She was shocked. And so she drove me up the road to the church. I, I went inside the church, sat down at the, uh, on the pews, and there was a few people singing and praying in the corner, I remember. Mm. And this warm glow just came all over me, like mm. this peace. It was unbelievable. It felt heavy on me. And I sat there for about half an hour and I forgot about my friend waiting for me outside. And then a, a beep of the car horn, mm. like, shocked me out of my moment. And then that feeling of peace left me and, and, uh, and I went back to the pub. and My friend was like, well, what are you doing? Went back to the pub. And a couple more things happened. Like, I had a conversation with a priest mm. on the road. And this priest, I I, I said... I said how you doing he goes oh hello <laughs> and
0: uh, i, I uh, so we sounded like
3: <laughs> he was really it was like a boffin and kind of yeah. really posh and uh i had the dog collar on
2: yeah
3: and i i said um he said he said hello and how are you and i said i said i'm, I'm not so good he goes oh and how so uh, i said um I said, well, I'm, I'm thinking a lot lately. I, my life's really messed up and, and I'm, I'm not happy with how things are going. I, I said, sometimes I, I feel like there's just so much more. Surely there has to be more than what I'm experiencing mm. or have experienced in life. And he goes, son, there is so much more. And then mm. he walked away from me. He didn't even stay. He didn't even no, tell no. me what the more was. Wow. And I was dumbfounded with yeah. that question. So I went to the pub and I asked all my friends, I so said, this priest just said to me, there's so much more, Do mm. you know what it is. Mm. And they all had their opinion of what there's so much, but it didn't yeah. kind of ring true. Then um, my ex-girlfriend came to the pub, invited me to a party. She said, look, there's a banging party on mm. tonight at my, at my place. You're trying to get me there.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, you need to come. And this was the night before I got saved. Yep. gave my heart to Jesus I turned up to this party it was one that I'd said yes to mm. but I turned up four hours late because I couldn't find the place right. my drug dealer was with me and a yeah. friend of his and we were stumbling around the road man yeah. we were so high on drugs and we are just so drunk yeah. we are like i not find the house <laughs> Where is, I'm sure it's on this road and because like, uh, they, they were familiar with her home as well yeah so many parties had happened there in the past and we're trying to find this place eventually we found her home four hours late for a party I mean we were wrecked Yeah. knock on the door my ex-girlfriend answers the door yeah. and the look on her face said it all yeah. I'm like oh my god and we must have stunk of cigarette smoke of booze Yeah. and uh, I said we're here we're here <laughs> and she's like she reluctantly invited us yeah. in my two friends go into her bathroom straight away, mm. close the door, and I knew what they'd gone in for—to yep. do drugs. And I walk into the lounge room trying to pump everybody up to party, but these are all Christians. Right, <laughs> <laughs> looking at me, and I must have stunk, and yeah. I was—I was off my head. Mm. And my ex-girlfriend looked really embarrassed. Mm. Anyway, a commotion breaks out in the hallway.
0: What kind of the,
3: time was this? This, this was, this was late nine, evening. It, oh, this was like. One in the morning. Right. About one in the morning, I would say. Mm. And then uh, my, my drug dealer and his mate had got walked in on by the next door neighbor who was at the party. Right. Uh, and they were doing... They were just about to do some smack mm. in the bathroom. And they got kicked out. Right. And I'm watching them get kicked out the door mm. from the lounge room. Everything stops. Yeah. And my ex-girlfriend dragged me in... Collared me, dragged yeah. me in a bedroom and said... What are you doing with your life? You're mm. destroying yourself. And I remember sliding down the wall in her bedroom, cupping my head in my hands, and just saying, "I don't know anymore. I think I... I said I'm lost. I think I need God." Well. Wow. And as it was, I stayed mm. the night at her house. Mm. Um, she said, "If you go back to your apartment, I don't mm. think I'll ever see you again, Mark Stevens." I said, "I said, look, chill out. Don't mm. be a drama queen. Mm. I'll stay." Um, and I slept in her bed that night next to her Uh, but four hours later I woke up horribly sick Mm. I was at the end of my road I was so fed up Joel Mm. I was so broken I was so messed up I was so bitter and torn Mm. and just hadn't come to the end of my road and and I I woke up really sick rattling and shaking Mm. and sweating and then um, I remember vomiting just Oh, bile and, and blood, and it was horrible. I said, I said to my ex-girlfriend, I said, "Please take me to the hospital. I think I'm going to die." Mm. She said, "No, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine." Mm. And then she was reading scripture. She was reading mm. from a from the Bible. I didn't know that at the time. Mm. I just it just felt soothing to me. And then she was praying in a language I couldn't understand. Mm. I'm like, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" Mm. And she said, "I'm praying for you." Mm. And I said, "I can't even understand what you're saying." Mm. It sounded like an old Hebrew language or something, mm. uh, obviously she was praying in the spirit, mm. and um, all of a sudden, uh, there I am, covered in sick and sweat, wrapped in a sheet i 'd vomited all over my clothes i 'm half naked on a bed, and the glory of God filled the room, and the whole atmosphere shifted, and I just knew that I was sat in the presence of God. And um, I started to call out to him. I started to say, I'm sorry. That's mm. all I could say. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Mm. I'm just so sorry. Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then I just started to weep. And it's like God's arms just wrap themselves around me. Mm. And um, I'd never felt anything like it. But, you know, the realization that he'd seen mm. me as a kid, mm. seen me do it, but then he'd seen me in the you know in the club toilet putting coke up my mm-hmm. nose, or, or he'd see me in bed with this person and that person, mm. and all the the time I nearly killed myself and threw myself out of a moving taxi, and the mm. time I nearly OD'd on cocaine and my my ex my another girl, ex girlfriend had to revive me, mm. and <clears throat> just so many things that he'd seen, and it all dawned on me then that he still loved me, mm. and uh, my life was totally shaken. Overnight, really. And then uh, a few days later, I realized that I was free from every addiction. How did you know? Uh, because three days later, four days later, I didn't mm. want for anything. I knew wow. in my mind and in my heart, I was never going back. Mm. I knew that I was free from... C- you know, cigarette- I couldn't bring myself to swear. This, mm. this holy presence was all mm. over me. Like The, th- the thought of, of putting... Cigarette smoke into into my body into my to into my vital organs mm. seemed like the dumbest idea in the mm. world to to get drunk again seemed like like the dumbest idea in mm. the world to even want for a drug was mm. just stupidity mm. like why would I ever want to do that, especially when i I'd, I'd experience you, you know the high of the holy spirit mm. so I just knew that I was free. I knew it in my body the rash dis- well, the rash disappeared when I got prayed for. That that I had all over my body. This ex-girlfriend took me down to meet the pastors of London Hillsong Church, mm. and when I met this guy uh, at London Hillsong Church, the the associate pastor, he prayed for me, mm. and God just knocked me out, slain in the spirit. Amazing. Got healed. Mm. He had a word of knowledge for me, and he mm. said, God's t- told me to pray for your blood. Mm. I had a massive fear of AIDS because I, I slept with so many people. I thought mm. I've got to have some disease. Mm. Um, and and I did never wanted to go to the doctors to find that out, mm. um, so I lived in fear. But God broke that fear. I, I literally heard a chain break over my head in the spirit. It was it was a noise, and I I was wow. sure that my friend had heard it. Mm. They they didn't hear it. I just knew something had come off me. I don't know what mm. that was, but I felt lighter. Uh, just spiritual things were really mm. taking place uh, in my life, and um, I experienced the power of God in a way that. Well, obviously, mm. I've never had before. I didn't have any clothes, no money, nothing. Wow. I, I mean, I wore some borrowed clothes mm. that were too big for me. I didn't have my career. I had nothing, yeah. literally nothing. I didn't even have a place to stay Wow! because I didn't go back to see my mm. friend. <laughs> she thought I was dead. Really? But two weeks later, I called her and she said, Mark, yeah. I thought you were dead. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so glad that you called me. I said, mm. no, I'm fine. I'm a Christian. <laughs> she, yeah, she, thought, she She got
0: saved eventually, Amazing. but she thought I'd lost it. Um, so what cluster. what point did you pray and ask Jesus to come to your life? I didn't. Right. So all this change happened really before supernatural. I didn't before ask Jesus to Christian. come into my life. He he just met
3: me in that mm-hmm. bedroom wow. that day mm. when I would come to the end of myself. And my ex girlfriend was praying in the room. Mm. It was it was like just a door was open mm. and. The presence of God came in the room, mm. and I knew it was God. Mm. I just knew it was. It was so yeah. strong that I could not not know it was yeah. God. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I didn't. Oh. I, I didn't ever ask Jesus mm. to come into my heart. He just did. He mm. flooded my my being. Mm. So so that for me that just, was the moment. Yeah, it just goes to show that you don't even need to pray the sinner's prayer. Well, mm. I didn't pray the sinner's prayer, yeah. but I just. You know, like you said
0: you said you said sorry because I'm sorry. You were like yeah. enlightened of everything that you'd yeah. done.
3: Yeah, I had an epiphany.
0: <laughs> yeah. I had a I had a
3: crossover moment yeah. from earth to heaven, from mm. dark to light. Amazing. When it, you that scripture that says in Colossians verse uh, uh, chapter 1 and verse 13 it says that he has delivered us from the power of darkness mm. and conveyed us or transferred us into the mm. kingdom of the son of his love or the kingdom of, of light.
0: And it, it's, that, that shift took place that day. Amazing. What's interesting is every person who becomes a Christian, especially if they've been into addictions and drugs mm. and alcohol, have a different transition, a different process. Yeah. You know, speaking with John, he became a Christian, but it took him a while to get really free of all the drugs and alcohol. John Edwards, yeah. John Edwards, yeah. Mm. Why do you think it's different for every person? Uh, I, I you know I, I've asked that question
3: a million times I, I, I can't even answer that story I I don't know it, God just has a separate journey for for each of us and I would yeah, um, I would never I would never get into comparisons you mm. know I've tried to compare my testimony with others and and no one testimony is any any more special than the next mm. my wife who's grown up in church, you know her testimony is just as special as mine. Mm. Although she never went through addiction, she never. Mm. She's always been a good girl. You yeah, know, yeah. Just a great, yeah. great person mm. who's been familiar with the presence of God all her life, really. Mm. Um, her, but she needed God just as much as me. Mm. You know, but I, I, can't work it out, Joel. I don't know the answer to that question.
0: Oh, I mean, that answers my question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe we won't understand. No, we but I've, I've got a few questions for Jesus when I see <laughs> when <I've got laughs> him face to face. Like, Lord, tell me. But it's incredible. It's incredible to, like, say to that you heard that sound of the chain breaking. Yeah, literally. All the addictions were just gone, and, all, the, and the desire as well. That that's that's what I fa- find amazing is that the the desires were gone.
3: The desires. That were you didn't g-
0: even have that twinge like oh, I just want a ciggy. I just no, want, no, nothing. Just want a drink. No, I I it's wanted to like, keep away.
3: It it yeah. seemed it seemed like garbage mm. to me. All of a sudden it was like oh it just was putrid mm. i didn't want to be around actually i got i got really intense uh, the first few years of my christianity mm. you know when you when you step away from something that you hate now mm. in terms of a lifestyle anyone else who's involved in that lifestyle mm. you when you're weak in your faith you want to be away from it mm. so i might have offended a few people early on because mm. even in conversations and them, you know having um or saying certain things mm. I would walk away from them mid sentence right. <laughs> so I must have offended a few people but it, it was it was that crossover life of saying I don't want to be like mm. that anymore I'm scared of becoming like that mm. again I'm fearful of that life mm. because it nearly now I know that there's a devil mm. and now I know that there's a god mm. and the devil had a foothold in my life mm. and a, and a stronghold on my life and God has broken that I don't want to give the devil any more any more space to to reach into my life, Mm. even into my mind, to plant anything that that I don't want there. So it was almost like I went into a a kind of a a monastery mindset of of hiding away in a cave Mm -hmm. for a time until I had enough strength to be able to confront what I needed to confront.
0: Yeah. So I know from your story, Mark, that you really got into the Word at this point and really started to use scriptures to help you renew your mind, change your thinking. Oh, yeah. Can you remember some of the initial verses that you were reading and memorizing to really help you? Yeah, I was. Uh, I was memorizing whole
3: books, like wow. whole chapters, because I'd learn a lot of learned a lot of um, dialogue and stuff for neighbors and was and songs over the years. Mm. I, I found learning scripture very easily, so I did it Amazing. methodically. I did it quite uh, robotically as well, mm. and I would spend hours. Joel, in prayer mm-hmm. and, in, uh, and in terms of learning scriptures, I would do that almost on a daily basis at the beginning. Wow. So, you know, at, at the front I was learning st- stuff like wherefore God has also highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue mm-hmm. will confess that he is Lord. Or I would learn, you know, Isaiah... 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty under the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to console them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I've been moving into um, Ephesians chapter
0: 1. Mm. Mm. And what, just, what chapter?
3: Uh, yeah, and just I would be, just be reciting, I do not mm. cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, mm. the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened that you may... And so on and so yeah, on. Yeah. I mean, and, and I would learn it That's piece amazing. by piece... And then it and then it was it became head knowledge but mm. then it became heart knowledge mm. as I would meditate or think on a scripture and just pray into that and recite it and ask God about it, it became heart knowledge mm. it became woven into the fabric of who I was of of my perspective or of how I looked at life it was like I was looking through the eyes of God towards life Mm. not not the other way around a shift happens Mm. you know you it's called a paradigm shift where you where you begin to see differently you don't see things for what they were anymore you see Mm. them for what they are Mm. through the eyes of the scripture so uh, it was almost like putting a a, a different pair of glasses on and Mm. and looking at life in a different way through the word of god and through the scripture Mm. and you know jesus yeah he the bible says that he was the word that became flesh Mm from heaven down bring bringing down heaven the word that became flesh and dwelt among us so god walked amongst us in the, in the debris of life uh, um, among the hurt and the sorrow and the pain and he brought the he he brought the kingdom down mm. and he you know he walked like man but he was as much god as man and, mm. and he brought the power of heaven with him and changed things mm. and you know that's and that happened to me that yep. change occurred so mm. That, that I bring that change to others. Mm. Um, and it's like a domino effect, isn't mm. it?
0: So you said about learning, you were used to learning lyrics and scripts. Yeah. Is there maybe a piece of advice you can give to people to... Because I've never been that great with memorising scripture. Yeah. But one thing that's that's helped me, which is why doing this project, is recording it, mm. putting some music to it, Yeah. and listening to it over and over. Yeah. I've found that that's really helped me to, like say, meditate... And to digest the scriptures, is there, is there something that you could recommend? Well, for
3: me, I, I think we're all different. You know, I read a book a long time ago ago called Sacred Pathways. I don't know if you've mm. ever read the book about how we each approach God and how we how we each have a sacred pathway towards the the divine. Mm. Um, so that happens a lot differently for people. It might be a walk where they stick their mm. you know their headphones on and listen to the scripture and, mm. and get into the word that way. Or they might have a quiet time every morning or in the evening or whenever they can find time. I think we do a lot of things on the go these, these mm. days. Um, but I would encourage anyone out there to find your sweet spot of how you approach the scriptures or how mm. you... Digest the Word of God. I find it's unbelievable to me that that people don't get in the Word. Mm. Like, I don't understand that. Particularly, I would say people who have been in church a long time or around mm. the things of God for a long time don't seem to discipline their lives in a manner that approaches the Scriptures or the or the things of God. Because maybe they've been around it. It might just be that that it's in them because they've mm. been around it, mm. and it's happened by stealth. Mm. But, but for me, uh, you, when you've been so lost and now you've found, you want to know this God through the scriptures. And, and I've just made a concerted effort of trying to be disciplined mm. in, in that area so that I learn the Word of God and meditate mm. in it day and night. Mm. Then you'll prosper. Then you'll yeah. have good success. Mm. And you shall be like a tree planted by rivers of living water that brings forth its fruit mm-hmm. in its season. And uh, But it comes through meditation in the scripture and thinking about it and not just treating it as a, as a cliche or, or mm. a fridge magnet, but letting it become a part of you mm. and asking God questions about it, mm. studying it out mm. and really going to God about it. And that, that's mm. what I do on a, on, on, a day to, mm. on a day-to-day basis. I do that because I have the beauty of doing that in mm. what I do. I, I don't work like other people. Mm. Um, I work mostly on the weekends and study
0: mm. during the week amazing, and I love like even in this office you've got a whiteboard up with verses written up. You've got stuff on the line, circled different yeah. colors. Yeah. I mean, you you've literally opened up the scriptures in your office, and yeah, and that's what I love about you, Mark, is that you're such a man of the word. You you just live. Eat, sleep, breathe the word. <laughs> yeah. And if you spend five minutes with Mark, you'll know that he loves two things: he loves coffee and he loves the word. <laughs> <laughs> and <Yeah>. together, the, <laughs> together, the, the, those two things are powerful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: That is so extra. <laughs> I call coffee extra anointing. Um, if there are no coffee, if there are no coffee franchises in heaven, I tell you what: come to mind. I'm going to open a
0: few, a few of them. I'm not going to be called Starbucks. Godbucks. Um, <laughs> Godbucks. <laughs> <coughs> Ooh. awesome. So, I mean one of the questions I wanted to ask you which you've you've kind of already half answered is is what would you say to people who are maybe a little bit bored with the Bible or new to the Bible and not sure where to start? How do you get into it and get the real power out of it that you've seen? I
3: again, I wouldn't profess to completely know the answer to that. All I would all I would do is just encourage people to have an encounter with Christ or to have a fresh encounter with Christ, mm. um, not only through the scripture, but, but through the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, and to, to, to go about building a hunger for, for the Word of God. Mm. Um, hungry people need feeding. Mm. So, you know, the, the way to get hungry is, is to starve yourself of mm. other things that you think you need in your life. Mm. So That's it's good. it's cutting certain things out of your life that you think you need certain patterns or certain mm-hmm. distractions out of your life that so often creep in like the cares of the world that mm-hmm. that choke the word. And we all have things to do. you know we all have busy lives to get on with, but I think it, it's it's creating time. it's mm-hmm. making time for God and and uh, and being disciplined in that and going after God just as much in the scriptures, as in prayer, or as in praying in the Spirit. And the thing I've learned about God is that when you go after Him, you become more hungry for Him. Mm. When you experience God in the Scriptures through revelation or insight or touching heaven through the power of the Holy Spirit, God God excites a hunger in you. Mm. And that yeah. it's like you can't get enough. Mm. Um, absolutely. For, have you ever noticed that? Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. all I would do is just encourage people mm. to do that, and I'm still trying to work it out, Joel, of 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 at why of how you can encourage someone, mm. yet they don't go there mm. themselves. Yeah, I I find that baffling.
0: But I think probably. you've covered two really good points there, which is one. Yeah. It starts with a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. It has to come out of that relationship. Yeah. It's not It's yeah. not a textbook. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a... That's right. It's a relationship. And also... And, and um, everyone's
3: relationship's a bit different. You exactly.
0: Know? So my relationship it is, is quite militant,
3: I <laughs> would call it, and very prayer-driven, very yeah. power of the Holy Spirit driven, just the way I am. And, mm. and that's what I need from God yeah. in terms of my calling and my destiny. Whereas my wife, her mm. approach to, to God is... Com- she I mean, if she sat here, she'd mm. tell you it's completely different. Yeah. of It's more of an on-the-go walk with mm. Jesus mm. of thinking of having the occasional quiet time. But really, her walk, walk with God is more in the busyness of, mm. of life and of opening up the scriptures every now and then. Yeah. So, and I can't, no. you know, we can't be critical nor judgmental no, of no. each other for for that. But I think it's encouraging each other to to go deeper, to mm. go higher mm. and to almost, yeah, push each other towards more of God.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's... I love what you said yeah. earlier about finding the sweet spot because yeah. everyone learns differently. You yeah. know, you, you have you have different styles of learning. And, that's right. And, you know, some people like audiobooks, some people like, you know iBooks, books e books physical copy and then you know yeah. getting their markers out exactly and, yeah which i love the visual aspect of the it the visual aspect and right. i think that's really that's really encouraging for me to know actually if my way of approaching god and the bible is different someone else's that's okay yeah and that there's not a set way of reading the bible there's not a set way of approaching god yeah i remember when we were doing the
3: alpha course when i when i first got saved mm. and i did the alpha course twice There'd be all these boffins turn, turning mm. up, questioning the things of God or like, you, you know, I don't know what to think about that or yeah. blah, blah, blah. But when you've had a mm. radical conversion, mm. <laughs> I remember just saying, look, <laughs> look, he's just real, all right? <laughs> and you just need to have an encounter with God, yeah. with the Holy Spirit and yeah. my, stop questioning things. Switch your brain off. You can't work it out in your brain, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but their pathway towards God yeah. was so different to mine. Yeah. And mm. n- n- not one of them is, is, is wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're both right. Mm. And I, th- I think the more the older you get, the
0: more you understand that. Thank God. Brilliant. Yeah, so obviously you've got two kids, you've got a busy life, you do a lot of travelling, you do a lot of ministry, and um, and that obviously requires you being out of the country for a weekend, a sure. week. Yeah. Um, how do you maintain that consistency? How do, how do you make sure that you've you have that set time in the Word and in prayer? When you're here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, my
3: mornings are precious to me, whether it be Monday through to Thursday, are precious times. Mm. Um, particularly from 9 a.m. to about lunchtime, I'm in the Word mm. most days. Mm. So I'm down here in my office. I've got some, you know, some devotional music on in the background without lyric. I don't like, mm. I just like music. And then I just like to open the scriptures and I like to write down thoughts, mm. or I might. Write a song, uh, but I'm I'm in that devotional moment with with God. I'm in study time, and I'm just reading, and uh, or I'm you know catching up on a few emails later on in the morning. I try to make the first thing that I do about for me about the scriptures and about you know praying and praying into the week mm. and preparing towards the weekend and thinking into what I'm going to be bringing the people mm. um, and what I'm going to be presenting. Them. I'm trying to become a better communicator. Mm. <laughs> I'm quite scatty and all over the place, um, but I'm trying to lock down my thoughts and mm. become better at that. So um, so I'm working a lot on my, my communication skills at the moment, coming out of a thought from the Word of God. Sure.
0: Okay, so tell us a bit more about what you're doing at the moment because what's going on? Well, I mean, I was
3: the creative director, worship slash worship pastor at Life Church for nearly 10 years, I guess. Towards the end of that 10 years, I I just started to, I just wanted to get out of the boat. I, I think I'd hit a ceiling in inside myself of exhausting what I'd done. I had a lot of great leaders around me who were chomping at the bit to get their hands on what I was doing or historically had done. And it just felt like I needed to get out of the way. So um, I stepped out part-time to consult with other ministries and to work into other churches, helping Mm. them get from point A to point B with their worship department. And that started to open up really quickly for me, working into Mm. other churches. And um, due to the network that we had through Abundant Life, now Life Church, it started to open up really quickly. So I came off being part-time to going full-time into consultancy with Mm. several other ministries. Mm. And then I, if I wasn't consulting, I was preaching and teaching, mm. leading worship, um, and trying to bless other ministries. And that's pretty much all I've I've been doing.
0: Amazing. Um,
3: I've written my first book called Strength for the Road, and uh, that's testimonial based. It also has thoughts on on praise and worship, the presence of God, transition, mm. uh, finding courage in tough times, and. And then I'm I'm writing my second album, some of which I've done with you. Yeah. And um, that's just starting to open up now, mm. uh, with a few different um, things that are on the table. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty much busy mm. all the time these days. Amazing. It wasn't like that right from the word go. There were yeah. patchy seasons. Yeah. The odd month through summer or through Christmas. Mm. Christmas, I was wondering how we're going to pay our bills. Mm. But God is so faithful. He just came through, awesome. and He provided opportunities. lastminute.com mm. sometimes. Yeah. In the in the midnight <laughs> hours, and um, been there. yeah, been there, done that. Yeah. But now I'm in more of a, a momentum and a flow, and, and I've had the privilege of going mm. into Monaco on a monthly basis at the moment, helping build church there. I'm in Manchester, mm. uh, helping build church there, mm. and then I'm
0: just dotting myself around. Amazing around the country. Well, from Everyone in the church environment, we thank you for suffering for Jesus in Monaco. (laughs) In Monaco. And uh, just putting yourself through that affliction. It's hard, man, but someone's (laughs) got to do it, you know. Actually,
3: to tell you the truth, I'll tell you the truth on this. Uh, Monaco's a very unique place to build church. Um, There's only 37,000 people in the the country or nation or whatever of, of Monaco, smallest nation in the world. So it's quite unique, and I've had more resistance going in there than any other place I've been to. Right, spiritual mm. resistance. Yeah, the resistance I've felt mm. um, there, but it, it, we're, we're seeing some fruit now. Brilliant, and we're building something significant.
0: Do you feel that's partly to do with being such a wealthy nation that, I that would say, people yeah. are not as hungry for the things of God? Yep, yeah. you just hit the nail on the head. And it's very
3: transient. Mm. culture. People come, people go, yeah. the rich, you know, they, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's more it's of like a
0: tax haven. A, yeah. <laughs> so they come
3: and they're, or a and second they're there. home. So it's very hard to build on, on moving
0: bricks. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That's great. How do people find your resources? So how, can people buy the book online that you've written?
3: Yeah. Uh, well, you can buy the book through Amazon or through my website. My website is www.markstevensmusic.com. And you can find resource there. You can find teach, free teaching, uh, free music that'll encourage you. Um, it will also lead you into iTunes and, and into Amazon and I'd share you know different thoughts and blogs and videos, uh, Vimeo stuff. so yeah
0: Brilliant. take a look around. Awesome, A few quick fire questions. So do you have a favorite Bible translation?
3: Yeah, I, I read the New King James. Okay. That that is my favorite. Uh, it, it's one that I've I've always stuck with. Yeah. And uh, well, you know, when you learn scripture, yeah, uh, uh, you, I'm always reverting back to mostly yeah. the New King James. Okay. So uh, NIV's nice too, but yeah, yeah, brilliant. I've got a Reinhard Bonkey New King James Bible signed by Reinhard Bonke so <laughs> preaching <laughs> the gospel.
0: Extra anointed, extra anointed. <laughs> it's an evangelistic Bible. Do you do you read the Bible in Reinhard's voice? Yes, Would I you... do. <laughs>
2: And God said,
3: that was really bad. That was from Cape Town to Cairo.
0: That's not a scripture. By the way. <laughs> Some people are thinking, what is going on right yeah, now? Yeah. <laughs> <Do> you, <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there a key verse that you've kind of held on to for a big portion of your life? I think it's been Psalm
3: 27 has been bred to me. Mm. Oh, gosh, from day one, the Lord is my light, my mm. salvation. That Even nice. got a tattoo of it. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my mm. life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Mm. Um, yeah, that that whole thing is
0: incredible to me. Brilliant. Do you have a favourite study guide or a devotional or maybe a book that you read alongside the Bible? Yeah, I've got uh, an app called Touch Bible
3: um, mm. on my on my phone on my. My iPhone 6 Plus. (laughs) Uh, You need to get one. Apple should employ me. Uh, But I've got Touch Bible, and you touch on a word, it'll Mm. give you the depth of the word. Oh, wow. So it's it's almost like a concordance kind of thing. Sure. Um, Strongs.
0: Yeah, Mm. it's brilliant. Amazing. Any parting wisdom you'd like to leave with the listeners?
3: Oh, gosh, you put me (laughs) on the
0: spot now, Joel.
3: Parting wisdom, I would say... um, no.
0: <laughs> Not at the top of my head. <laughs> Let me have a think about that. That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Any parting wisdom. <laughs> Go read your Bible. <laughs>
3: no, I want to say something there because uh, I'd I like That's to cool. say something. Yeah, I, I think um, what I've come to understand is that life happens in seasons. And you've got to know what season you're in and what time you're in. But always understand that that, that season and that time will come to an end mm-hmm. where you need to push into something fresh and something new. And you've got to, in life, learn to be cool with change. Mm. I, think, I think change is, is always yeah. around us. So it's learning how to negotiate change. It's learning how to transition through change to find the next thing. Mm. You know, Abraham had to leave his father's house to go to a land that God would show him. Sometimes it's difficult not knowing exactly where you're going, but always understanding that God Mm. hems you in behind and before, and that we walk a a walk of faith. Mm. This thing is a faith walk, and uh, God knows the end from the beginning. Stay close to Jesus, and all will be
0: revealed. Awesome. Very good words of wisdom. Thanks Mm -hmm. for that. And before we go, as promised, we need to play the listener a clip from the new album. Oh, wow. Okay. So, are we going to play them the title track? Yeah. Bring Down Heaven.
3: Bring this down is one heaven. that we wrote together. Yeah. Um, the, the premise being that, that as Christians, we are called to bring down heaven, to display the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the word of God. I think this will, uh, will encourage you.
0: Um, it's a great song. Amazing. Let's have a listen.
2: To rise up, stir up a fire, it's time. Stay
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from Stop, Rest, Listen. We hope you've enjoyed it. All podcasts, scriptures and content can be found on our website at stoprestlisten.com. You can follow us on Twitter at stoprestlisten, or like us on Facebook.com forward slash Stop, Listen. Feel free to email us at the address hello at stoprestlisten.com and we would love to hear your feedback and comments. You can submit ideas, themes or scriptures you'd like to hear featured in future podcasts and we will check them all out. From me, Joel, thank you for listening. See you soon.